The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Coach Roberts, what's going on? Not much, buddy. Looking good. Hey, it's a whole lot of stuff to talk about in the world of sports. You know, um, the NFL draft, the NBA playoffs, Michael Sam's kissing his boyfriend after he got drafted in the seventh round. <laughs> wow, it's just a lot of things to talk about, Coach. Where do you want to start at? What's going on with you? Well, I think the draft was pretty amazing. I think it's one of those better years. It was the largest watch draft procedure on TV they had a, a, a nine rating, I guess, and that's really supposedly great. And I think that uh, the fan base was really excited about seeing uh, the number of their teams do well in the draft. I think a lot of teams feel like they came away, you know, pretty well what they wanted. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of teams did come away um I think a lot of teams did well in the draft this year. You know, I'm, I was happy to see the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, take um, Blake Bortles from the University of Central Florida. I think he's going to bring some of those people from Orlando to Jacksonville to fill up the stadium. And uh, I really think that was a nice pick by them. I think I would have liked to see, see them get um, Sammy Watkins, a wide receiver. Um, but I, I'm happy with them taking um, um, Bortles as a quarterback. Well, you know, I love to see how some of these talking heads like uh, rate a grade for the people. And I can't understand. Sometimes you have to go out and get your needs, and they may not be glamorous. I mean, as many picks as St. Louis had, I think they really met the needs of their team. And even though it wasn't what a lot of people would like to see, you know, it wasn't just receivers. It wasn't just running backs, quarterbacks. They went out and got the best offensive and defensive linemen they could get, and that's how you win football games at any level. That, that's for sure. That That is for sure. But, you know, I, I, I really, really admire the, um, the Rams for going out and getting Greg Robinson with that second pick because they really need to beef up their offensive line in a big way. Well, you know, everyone has said that uh, Stafford is undoubtedly a great quarterback, but he hasn't been protected the whole time he's been in the league. So now with, uh, I think, uh, minus some injuries, this Greg Robinson kid 
and uh, the kid uh, Long on the other side comes back strong, they're going to have, you know, be able to punch you in the mouth, move the ball running and passing. And so then we're going to see what kind of real quarterback this guy is. Oh, yeah. And, you know, um, a lot of people think that – the guy Mac, he 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 was selected by the Buffalo Bills, and the Bills traded up to pick Mac. A lot of people thought that that wasn't such a good uh, move by the Buffalo Bills, but I really think that this guy, um, I, I I really think that he's going to be a player that's going to make a difference for them for a long time. And I'm I'm really talking about Sammy Watkins, who who was yeah. the fourth player selected in the draft. Yeah, right. Sammy came yeah. out of Clemson, and I saw him play a bunch of college games, and I thought that he was one of those kind of guys that turned your program around. And, I mean, he did a, a heck of a job uh, for uh, a bunch of different uh, times for Clemson. Yeah. But, you know, I guess the, the talk of this draft is not um, Khalid Mack, who came from a very small program, but the talk of this draft has to be um, Johnny Manziel. You know, um, Johnny Manziel slipped. You know, I, I thought uh, he he might have been taken by by the uh, by the Dallas Cowboys. I think they had the 16th pick, but he was actually taken by the Cleveland Browns with the 22nd pick, their second pick in the first round. Now, I, I still don't think this is a, a very good pick for the Browns. And if we look at the history of the Browns and quarterbacks, it's just it's been it's been a nightmare. It's it's, it's been unbelievable. You know, and I'm talking about since Couch, and that was uh, I think around '92. They've had like 20 yeah. quarterbacks since '92, Coach. Coach, and Coach, the last few ones they've gotten in the first round were 22 pick, the 22 pick, Brady Quinn, and then Whedon, and now Johnny Massa. I mean, he just uh, maybe the third one will be the charm. I, I hope so. Because what they're working with now is just, it's, 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 it's been horrific. I mean, it's just really been bad. And I would be a little concerned if I was Johnny Manziel. And I, 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 I really think Johnny Manziel is probably going to uh, sit and watch this year. That would be a good move for him, uh, for, for them to actually sit him and let him watch the game a little bit this year. I don't think it will happen. Daryl, I just don't think so. I think what's going to happen is that fan base is going to put so much pressure on that front office that they're going to have to play the kid. And I hope he just doesn't get hurt or injured early in his career and never have a real shot. Like you say, the NFL game is so fast, and it's so much different from the college game. It would be really sad to see this kid not get a chance uh, to see if he can't change the complexion of the wins at uh, Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, <laughs> what hurt Manziel and the Cleveland Browns more than anything, it has to be the the, the stupidness of Josh Gordon, this receiver, um, um the receiver for them, who got who looks like he's going to be suspended for the at least this whole season coming up, you know. And this guy was on the fourth year of a, I think he's a, a four year got a four year four point eight million dollar contract. He's on the last season of that contract. So wow, man, how dumb is he? And I think that's going to hurt hurt um, 
it's going to hurt the Cleveland Browns probably more than anything. I see that uh, Mike Shorts joined us, Coach. Okay, well, hey, let's talk to Mike, Coach. Bring Mike in. Matt, we got Mike on the line? Hello, Daryl? Yeah. Daryl, Mike Shorts. Hey, Mike, how's it going? I'm doing great, my friend. How about yourself? I'm doing very good. Hey, guys, we have Mike Short on the phone, and Mike is a former University of Miami uh, equipment manager, and he's a uh, um, SAU, Florida Atlantic University um, equipment manager. And now um, Mike works for the company Zenith, who uh, makes equipment. They uh, make helmets and uh, shoulder pads and and a number of other equipment for, uh, for different sports as well. How's it going, Mike? It's going great, Daryl. Good to hear your voice. It's been a long time. Hey, man, it has been a while. It's been a couple of years, and, I, and, and and let's get some things straight, Mike. Me and you are, are actually good friends. Um, you know, you were at the University of Miami when I got there, and you were at the University of Miami when I graduated and moved on. And, man, you've been a big supporter of me um, throughout my career, and I really appreciate you, Mike, and I really appreciate you coming on the show tonight to taking some time out. Tell us well, where you're at and what you're doing right now, Mike. Yeah, where you at? What you doing today, Mike? Well, actually, I just uh, I just landed at the airport about an hour or so ago. I'm in uh, I'm in Hawaii for the uh, wow. West Conference uh, football meetings uh, here for a couple of days. <laughs> so I'm going to be meeting with the Mountain West schools out here, uh, talking about the Zenith helmet, and um, then uh, heading back uh, heading back to uh, Los Angeles on Friday, and then hit the Pac-12 meetings on Monday. So. Busy time for us, lots of travel. Wow, that is so cool. Yep. You know, I read a, um, a Bloomberg report on you guys that you are the uh, you all are the official helmet for the NFL this year. Is that correct? <clears throat> well, it's it not not actually. That's not really the right way to put it. Uh, you know, you know, there was a big change over there. There's been a lot of things going on in the NFL over the last year or so, as I'm sure everybody's aware. Uh, a lot of legal battles, and up until up until this, just well, up until just a few months ago, there was only one company that could uh, that could have their helmets on the field and actually have their logo shown. Uh, the rest of us could be out there, but we had to remove our logos or cover them up, and it gave the perception that there was a an official helmet of the NFL, and the NFL did not want that. Uh, it was a marketing agreement, and uh, so. The NFL decided uh, a few months ago to do away with any uh, any logos on on the field, so uh, all the helmet companies can can have their helmets out there, but no logos can be shown. And so they gave all the helmet companies an opportunity to sort of join up with the NFL. Um, and what it is is that there is no money going to the NFL uh, anymore from the helmet companies. What it's doing is going to Groups and organizations, youth football groups, Heads Up Football, Football USA, uh, groups that are, you know, designed and, and function to try to, you know, promote safety and uh, proper technique and uh, awareness, uh, especially at the youth and high school levels. And Zenith was proud to join up with the NFL on that and that venture. Um, so it's a great opportunity for, for us and it's a great opportunity for um, for the people out there to get to know a little bit more about the helmet, about Zenith, and what we're all about, what we're doing, and um, you know, and to join forces with a group like the NFL uh, to help uh, support that cause is is just an incredible thing for us. 
Mike, this is Gordon Roberts. And uh, for years, I was a head coach and, and, and bought helmets. And it seems now that uh, it's kind of, you know, at one time, you know, a large majority of the helmets that were bought in the high school ranks, you you did, you did it through your your guy that was really your reconditioner. Right. And I noticed on your site the other day, your CEO, you know, had put in a lot of research and a lot of people don't understand that's huge right now in football you know when you have a guy like Bart uh, Brett Farr come out and say he's not sure that if he had a son that he would have him play football some great names are saying that because we realize for years uh, the trauma that the brain took from these hits is just humongous and I'm sure as an equipment manager at the college level you were aware every day of how important it was to have good helmet care. What I'm wondering oh, I, is, yeah, is it absolutely, also... Absolutely, but I think you just hit on a very key uh, key point there. And, Daryl, you can attest to this. Um, going back many years when you and I were together at the University of Miami, there was there was a tendency to, for people to use these terms, well, he just got his bell wrong, he'll be, he'll be okay, give him a few minutes. And right. so... The problem that we're having here is not, it didn't just start up, you know, last year or five years ago. It's been going on uh, ever since they've been playing football. It's just the awareness and the the information just was never really there. Um, and it, it's through nobody's fault, but in those days when, and Daryl, you didn't, like I said, you didn't touch this. You got, you got hit in the head and come off and you're a little groggy and somebody said, well, he just got his bell rung. You know, give him 10 minutes. Oh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm ready to go. That was a mistake. We didn't know it back then. We didn't realize that these problems um, were ongoing. And so I think the biggest thing that we've got to do now, and this for all of us, whether it be helmet manufacturers, coaches, uh, athletic trainers, athletic directors, uh, players, is to get as much information and as much knowledge and education about about the whole dynamics of, of, of head injuries, how it relates. There, there's no helmet out there, us included, that can prevent them all. But we can certainly do a better job of, of educating the players and, and, and the people out there on what, that there are options out there. And there's different types of helmets, there's different technology. And, and we've got to get, we've got to get past this attitude that, oh, well, I've been using a certain helmet for, Ten years, I've never had any problems. Well, we all know now that you don't have to have a concussion or concussion symptoms for there to be damage to be done. It's that constant, you know, pounding and pounding and pounding that's taken an effect there. Yeah. You know, um, hey, Gordon, how close are we on our break right now? About two minutes, Daryl. Two minutes? Okay. Hey, uh, sure, we're going to take a break in about two minutes, but I want you to hold and uh, come back with us. Hey, sure, you know, a lot of times we, we've seen um, helmets reconditioned, and it's been some coaches, trust me, that didn't send the helmets in to get reconditioned, maybe because they couldn't afford it, or maybe they just uh, thought, it was the, oh, this one only got used one game last year, so we don't have to send it in. How does this actually work with the reconditioning of helmets? Well, you know, you know uh, reconditioning is that's that's a that's a tough that's a tough uh, subject. It really is. Um, there's some really really good reconditioners out there that do a tremendous job. But the whole idea of a 
of reconditioning a helmet is to get it sent in there and they're supposed to take it apart, inspect all the parts, inspect the shells, make sure there's no cracks, um, and there's no damage to the right? internal components, clean, sanitize it, paint it if need be, uh, reassemble it, put new hardware and send it back and recertify it. But as far as testing the helmet, they, um, they, they don't test every helmet. Now, that may be one misconception. They don't uh, put it through Noxy testing. Every, every helmet, if you send 50 helmets in, they may test two or three of, the, of a lot number, and, and that's all. The rest of them they'll recondition and they'll inspect, but they don't test. So there's a misconception that when you send that helmet in for reconditioning that it's, that it's being tested and, and um, you know, through the Noxy standard, and that's not always the case. So, yeah. um, you know, re- reconditioning is essential. I, I recommend do it every year. I know it's an expensive thing, but uh, the, the twist on it is if you don't recondition and you run the risk that there may be a problem there that you or I may not be aware of, and you certainly don't want to take that chance. Mike, hold on real quick. Hey, guys, we'll be right back with more Sports Info UM right after these messages on the Voice America Radio. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. 
And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, we got Mike Short, uh, former equipment manager for the University of Miami and Florida Atlantic University. And now Mike at work, Mike works for the Zenith Company, a company that makes equipment. And we're talking a lot about helmets and the safety of the game of football. Mike, I know that we do a lot of reconditioning. We talked about this before we left for the break. But let me ask you a question. Does a parent that has a kid that's in the lower levels of football, say Pop Warner, they buy their own equipment, they buy their own helmets, they may use that helmet for three years and never have it um, reconditioned. How, what, what advice would you give for parents that, are, that have these kids in, in lower levels of football that are buying their own equipment, not having it serviced by a high school or a junior high school? Well, we, um, we do a lot of a lot of work with parent groups and youth groups there. As a matter of fact, this past weekend I was in San Diego um, for a, uh, an organization called FDU Football University. And uh, it had uh, at the football players so from the youth league up to high school level. And I had that question asked me from a lot of parents, especially at the youth league. And you're right, more and more parents are are stepping up and purchasing uh, the helmet uh, for the for the players, even even in high school, uh, because they they uh, they may not be available. The helmet that they want to use may not be available, or, or whatever. And yeah, I, I still recommend. And there, it is a little, you know, there's a cost, but it's 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 nothing compared to what you're trying to do. Uh, you know, I would recommend those helmets. Send that send uh, send those helmets back and get them reconditioned, get them checked. Um, you know, and it, it, it may vary in price depending on if it's a youth helmet, if it's been painted, for example. I mean, it could be 25 bucks up to maybe 40 bucks. But if you think about it, um, you know, as a parent myself, I mean, we buy, you know, we, we want the best for our kids. We want to protect them. And we, we, we spend $100 plus for shoes and probably another 35 40 bucks for gloves and, you know, different things for them to play in and to spend to spend that money uh, on the most important piece of equipment, uh, you know, it just, it's so, it's so important. And, um, you know, what we're asking, you know, what we're asking a helmet to do really is, is pretty, pretty outrageous to think about it because we're asking a helmet to really protect something, and that is the brain that it's not really designed to do. Helmets were, you know, designed, and their main purpose is to protect against skull and facial lacerations and fractures. Um, you know, their concussion to protect the brain, that's a whole, that's a whole other set of, uh, you know, set of rules, so to speak. So, yeah, my advice to those parents is get it reconditioned each year, get it checked out, and, um, it, it's well worth, it's well worth money to cost. Yeah. And, and, and go ahead, Jerry. Go ahead, I, I was going to ask him about, uh, I know, Mike, that y'all also make a pretty fabulous shoulder pad and shoulder pads for all levels. And that that's yeah. getting to be real big. Yes, we just uh, we just released our, our shoulder pad last year. We sort of got it out there on a very limited basis. We call it the X-Flexion. Uh, and we've incorporated our shock absorber systems that we have in the helmet. We've incorporated in, into the, uh, um, the AC area and uh, out the shoulder pad. We made a very, very strong plastic body uh, to the shoulder pad instead of being... Um, most shoulder pads that are laid out and the plastic is cut 
uh, and then bent. Uh, our, our plastic shell on our shoulder pads is actually molded the same way that our helmets are molded. They're in an injection molded process. Um, we had great success. We had great feedback on the, on the shoulder pad last year. We're doing even more this year. We're, we're starting to get into the, uh, the uh, release, releasing a use pad later on in the year. And, uh, you know, it's new for us, but we're, we're, we feel that we can use this, this technology with our shock absorbers. We can use them in, in a lot of different areas. And so we've really just scratched the surface on what we think we can do and well, what we will do. Uh, and it's all in an effort to try to make it better and safer for the players. And a lot of people don't realize, Mike, that uh, shoulder pad reconditioning is, is awful important. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you've got to get those things in there every year. They take a lot of wear and tear throughout the course of the year, yeah, both in just the hitting of the game, but also the elements of the game, rain, mud, dirt, sweat. Uh, you want to get them in, you want to get them clean, sanitized, you want to get those pads and those um, the, the straps on the shoulder pad, you want to get them inspected and replaced if they need it done. And, um, you know, football is a, it's a physical game. It's a, it's, a, it's a collision sport is what it is. And, uh, these, these things are designed to protect, but they need to be maintained properly. Oh, that's for sure, Mike. But, um, Mike, when we, when we see what the NFL has done to try to protect its players – um, as far as the rule changes, as far as um, no uh, hitting at the head, um, when we look back, not far ago, not long ago, I'm say let's go like to 1994. Um, these rules didn't exist. Um, these these kind of protection things that we have now for players did not exist. Do you what do you see the difference in the inside of a helmet today compared to the inside? of a helmet in 1994? Well, I think, I think Daryl, that, that, that's, that's one thing that makes kind of Zenith unique. Um, you know, m- most of the helmets out there uh, still consist of some type of foam padding, uh, which is a vinyl nitrate foam, with some type of air bladders to, to inflate for fit. And uh, helmets have come a long way. The helmets that you and I... Uh, we're working with at the University of Miami State in 1994. Uh, they're nowhere near as, as good and as advanced as they are now. And a lot of that has to do with the materials that are used inside, um, the, the actual shell itself. You know, I think a lot of people have noticed that it seems like the helmets now seem to be bigger. They're oversized than they actually are. Most helmets now are oversized helmets, meaning that the shell is actually bigger uh, because they've added more protection inside You'll notice also that a lot of helmets have, the best way I can put it, they have convolutions in them. They have uh, angles in them or, you know, ridges in them. And anytime that you make a, a, a ridge or a cut in, a, um, in, a, in that plastic shell, you make, it, you make it stiffer, you make it harder. So it's a, it's a better, better quality product that are being used out there. Um, the thing that kind of set us apart is <clears throat> from... Um, traditional helmets out there, is our bonnet system. Instead of having that, those foam pads, they, we actually have a bonnet uh, that that player, they put on, when they put the helmet on, their head is sort of suspended in this bonnet uh, which, with air shock absorbers, the same type of thing that you have in your car, um, the same technology, so to speak. 
And as the player cinches down his chin strap and tightens up his chin strap, it actually pulls that bonnet on around his head. So we get a, a tremendously better fit um, than trying to mold, you know, foam around the head. And the fact that we don't have any air bladders, so to speak, to inflate, um, we don't run into situations where kids, you know, kids will come in there and saying, well, my helmet's loose today, I, you know, i got to get air added to it. Uh, and fit is so critical. It's so critical to make sure that that helmet fit properly from the get-go. And so I think, I think it's a combination of the helmets themselves, the materials that are being used is better. The awareness is, is there a lot more. As you said, there's so many rule changes. Um, and that's a tough Ma- thing to enforce. Mike, it's, a thing, you, it's a tough thing to play uh, football and, and keep your head out of it. Mike, when you say this about the fit, as a high school guy, that was one of my big problems is being able to find enough helmets for the different size from year to year. Mm-hmm. And one of the paramount problem was, of course, you want a kid to go on the, on the uh, field with a proper helmet, but it's awful hard. Now, th- this configuration you have inside your helmet, how do you adjust it to the size of the young person using it? Well, we you know we have our uh, the same sizing helmets, uh, medium well, for example, at the high school level and the NFL level, medium, large, and extra large. Um, and because, like I said, this bonnet system, our chin strap uh, and the and the bonnet system are integrated; they're all one piece. And the bottom strap uh, that normally as a player would you know would hold that chin cup in place when you're fitting them, and you just you know you adjust it. What we have the player do is put the helmet on, resize him, and, and get a, a starting point and say, okay, you know, he's going to be a large helmet, but we're going to have to make adjustments. The player puts the helmet on and then takes his, those bottom two straps and pulls them, cinches them real tight, and as he, as he tightens up, the chin strap cup actually comes up, makes contact with the chin, and then as he continues to pull it, the bonnet now because it's strapped into the chin strap, the bonnet starts to pull around and conform to the head. And there's a what we call a cinch lock on our chin strap cup so that as he pulls it up and gets it tight, the chin strap will not come will not fall fall down, it will not come loose. So we you know, we, we get the buckles in place and for him to take the our helmet off, he actually has to un unclip it, but then he has to physically pull that chin chin cup down just a little bit and that in turn is loosely on it. So like I said, we yeah, get a it... really true fit. And the nice thing yes. is when I fit a kid in our helmet today, it's the same way it's gonna fit the same way a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. Now, you know, if we we fit him and he had a lot of hair and then all of a sudden he changes his hair, obviously we're gonna have to go back and make some adjustments. But um because we don't have air bladders and we don't have to worry about inflating those bladders up or, you know, we don't, we don't run into a situation deflate. where after a while the helmet starts to slip. So, Mike, so you're saying that this still isn't something that changes every time I take my hat, helmet off. It is just a small adjustment each and every time I put my helmet on because I've already fit it to where it's normally going to be. Right, right. So when we fit you up, and we and we you know we're satisfied. You're comfortable, and we've got a good a good firm fit in the helmet. Um, there's no movement, and uh, there's no uh, sliding of the helmet. And we take that off. Then 
once we set the buckles there, you put that helmet on, again, every time you put on, you just you just go ahead and strap up like you normally would, but because we've already set those buckles in place, you're, you're, you've got that true fit again the next, you know, the next time you put it on, so we don't have to make any, uh, you really don't have to make any adjustments once we fit it. Mike, um, compared to helmets of, of the 80s, what is the weight difference in these helmets compared to, say, a, a helmet of, of 1986 or 87? Are we looking at something similar in weight class, or are we, or is a big discrepancy the ones from the 80s weighed a lot more or a lot less? No, I think, I think when it's all said and done, I think it's fairly comparable. Uh, if anything, these helmets are a little bit lighter um, just because of the materials that we're using, uh, the face mask, you know, which surprisingly some of the face mask adds a lot of weight to that helmet. Um, you know, it's a thinner um, carbon steel wire that, that uh, we're all using now. So um, probably across the board, I would say the helmets are, are definitely lighter, but they're not, it's not a dramatic, it's not like, you know, half the weight that they used to be. Um, there's really only two ways to make a helmet lighter, and that's either to, you know, decrease the, make the shell thinner, which you don't want to do, or decrease the internal components, the padding, so to speak, or whatever, whatever you're using them to protect that player. So, and you don't want to do that. So, we're all looking for ways to make the helmet lighter. But I don't, I don't think that you're going to see, you know, dramatic, dramatic uh, changes in, in, as far as the weight. Uh, the helmets are, I would say, across the board, are lighter, but they're not. As I said, I wouldn't say it's like 50% lighter. And Mike, you're saying that. From what Daryl asked you, you're thinking that what's the average weight of a high school helmet now well, you know, with your that's helmet? A, that's a good question. That is a good question, and I'm not sure that I could answer that, you know, definitively because it, it varies from style to style, um, you know, from manufacturer to manufacturer, probably in the five, five-and-a-half-pound area. Um uh-huh. You know, so, but uh, that's, a, that's a very good question. And, uh, I know I, when I, I came I, into I the business. I don't have the answer for that one. I know when I came into the business, uh, a four or five pound helmet was pretty heavy. But yeah. now when Rydell and those started doing their revolution helmets, those bad boys were pretty heavy. They were six, seven pounds, some of them, for the big guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you would love to, you'd love to, and there have been some helmets out there that have come and gone that, you know, had, that were ultra light. They had very flexible shells or, you know, very thin shells and they cracked and obviously they didn't last because they didn't work. So I think, I think all of, all of us, all of the helmet companies are looking for ways to, to try to bring that weight down. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a catch 22. You don't want to, you don't want to sacrifice protection, uh, for the weight. Hey Mike, we got three minutes, and we're gonna let you get out of here because we could talk all night. But um, no, Mike, one, one one more question for you from me: Do we still have bladders in these helmets where we pump them up with air, we let air out of them for kids, we put air in them for kids? Do we still have the bladder helmets around? Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. Oh. Every helmet out there has an air bladder that you inflate, with the exception of the Zenith helmet. Um, okay. bladder, air bladders are used for fit. Um, if you remember going way back, helmets, you would, they, if to outfit a team, you might have to have 
eight to ten different sizes because it was done like hat sizes, seven and a half, seven yeah, and three quarters, yeah. all that stuff. And so air bladders came into play to help eliminate all those, you know, all the different shelf styles that you have, had to have. Um, and that's where, that's what air is used for in those bladders is for fit. And that's where, you know, our helmet is different. We don't use guys. air bladders. We use this bonnet um, and this cinching uh, mechanism with the chin strap to make the fit on the helmet so we don't have to worry about, you know, kids' bladders, um, the air bladders, you know, leaking, because they will leak over the period of time. But, yeah, absolutely. The air bladders are still very much part of the helmet nowadays. Different, different configuration and different areas, but uh, it's, still, um, it's still, still a big player in it. You have any more questions for Mike, um, Coach? Well, just Mike, like you were saying about the air bladders, if you're a small school, and I, most of my career was at small schools, rural schools, you couldn't afford to have a whole lot of bladders because it, they're expensive. Yeah, yeah. So, expensive. so you're trying to fit a smaller head or a bigger head and hope that you have an air, a, a air bladder that will fit that helmet for that kid. Yeah. Yeah, and it's still a very, uh, it's still an exact, you know, thing because, like I said, um, I remember on, on many occasions when we were at Miami and we would, uh, you know, we'd have our kids set up and we went out one year to play um, um, BYU and Colorado. And you'd be amazed at the difference because of the altitude. We had to refit everybody's helmet because of the difference, <laughs> you know, with those air bladders expanding and and at a higher altitude. So. There's a lot wow. of things coming to play with it, and it's a lot of maintenance, and um, it's a lot of things for the coaches and equipment managers and uh, trainers uh, alike to uh, to have to monitor. So, um, yeah. like I said, in our helmet, we've eliminated our air bladder, so we don't have that issue, but we still get the you know a really true uh, custom fit every time. Hey, Mike. Thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. Call us anytime at Sports Info UM. And guys, it's my, we'll be. It's my my pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. And, and you're right, Coach. We could we could go on for hours and hours and hours about this. So um, if I leave anything for for you and for the parents and anybody who's listening out there, is um, get involved in the decision making, um, research, check all the helmets, check their websites, talk to the talk to their reps. Um, and the best helmet out there is the helmet that fits fits that player best, and that he feels comfortable and he feels confident in. And and then and then you make your decision. But you know, parents and, and ads and everything get involved in that process. It's so important. And the more that we can learn about it, the more that we can we can talk about it, um, the better off we are. Because at the end of the day, it's about the kids, and we yeah. got to do what's right for the kids. Hey, Mike. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And we'll be right back with more Sports Info UM right after these messages. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. 
Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacy DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, coach, in the. In- the NFL draft that started on Thursday and lasted until Sunday, um, in the first round, in the first 10 picks, Coach, we had three defensive players and seven offensive players. Now, we always talk about defense wins games, defense wins championships, offense win game, defense win championship. Well, the NFL has really turned into a – a offensive-minded league because I think the offense is so much more difficult to execute than defense. I mean, you, you, you. This is a pass-happy league, and in order for you to get five yards now, you got to throw the ball. It used to be a time you ran the ball for five yards. Now we chunking it all over the field. And I think when you look at the NFL draft, the offense is dominating. I mean, just a lot of players going in the in the in the offense on our. Going from Darryl, it doesn't it didn't prove out. Now they had a lot of receivers go, but what was the number one guy that was picked in the draft in the first seven rounds was the cornerbacks. Cornerbacks and safeties outnumbered the tight ends and wideouts. Yeah, and I guess when we look at it, a lot of late picks were defensive players too. Oh yeah. 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 You know, yeah. and, and what happens is I think that even now more so, I know all over uh, the Internet now is how all these teams went out and signed 10, 15, 20 free agents. Yeah. yeah because back in the day, Daryl, you know, when you came out of Miami or back in my old time, you had a lot more rounds than seven. You know, you had 12, 
you go back far enough, you go back to when it was 17 rounds. Yeah. And so now they do seven rounds, and then they have about eight or ten guys that are sure that are going to be free agents that they're going to go ahead and contact immediately after the rounds shut down. And so that's one of the big things when you go team by team, who signed all these. And, you know, it's just like with Manziel. When they signed Johnny Football, what's the first things the Browns did? They cut loose of Vince Young because he had been picked up, and they were going to check him out, and now they get uh, Johnny in there, and, and they just don't have the time. Yeah, you're right, Coach. People don't understand, Daryl, and, and you do because you were in a camp. It's a con time thing. You know, you, how many reps do you have to give those guys, to get them ready for that first regular season game so you can be competitive? And so you might have 90 players, but how many reps can you give those 90 players? And Especially so a position like yeah, quarterback. Yeah, or, or, or running back. Yeah, Darryl, or you know running about back. running backs more yeah. than most people. You know, people don't understand a guy might be a great running back in college, but maybe never passed protected or maybe never went out for passes. That's huge now. Can you, can you protect that quarterback, not just run the rock? And so I think it's gone uh, another different direction altogether. It, it has. And, uh, and trust me, if you can't catch the ball out of the backfield now, you're not on the field. I mean, no. every running back has to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield now. You know, mm-hmm. it used to be days where a running back, if he couldn't catch, we took him off the field. Now, if you can't catch, we, you're not on the team. <laughs> yeah, you're watching. You're watching yeah. the game. Yeah, because it's so much part of the game. You know, if I'm not if I'm not pass blocking for my quarterback, I'm his outlet. In in you know the hot read usually is a, is a running back. You know, coach, who who do you think surprised you in the first round being taken in the first round? Um, I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, he fell, he had high stock before the draft. Um, Close it got to the draft, the more his stock fell. I think some people were telling some lies on Teddy Bridgewater somewhere because he he was still drafted in the first round. And not that he's my um, surprise being taken in the first round at 32. I really am surprised that the Cleveland Browns took Johnny Menzel at 22. I just don't think this guy is what they need. I think that was a pick they could have got a lot more for than a quarterback who's possibly going to sit out for one or two years. Well, I, I think, Daryl, that they're desperately trying to save their fan base, and I think that they realized, I mean, their first pick was kind of a, a need, but very un, I, you know, I hate to say unattractive, but very unexciting, and you want that fan base to be excited. Did you see, Daryl, when they said Johnny Football's name, that the Cleveland Browns have picked, uh, you know, uh, that their fan base just went crazy all over the TV uh, at the the actual uh, in New York uh, at the the actual draft headquarters. But those kind of things, Daryl, you know, that's still, you know, and you and you're an offensive guy, and I'm a defensive guy, basically. But we both know offense sells tickets. And he will be an exciting player. I hope that he doesn't get hurt. But uh, 
I think that's what they're thinking about. Well, who, who surprised you in this year's draft, Coach? In the first round or yeah, just in all the first, over? In the first round. In the first round, I, I was surprised that Jacksonville went after the kid uh, from Central Florida Bowls. And, and just simply because I thought they had so many needs, I thought they could have got a quarterback a little cheaper. But, you know, uh, they're also trying to do the fan base thing. But that was my big uh, surprise. Okay. Well, you know, you know he's the third uh, pick overall. Yeah, he is. You know, Coach, before we leave, and, and, um, and we're getting close to the end of our show, we have to talk about the Michael Sams, um, not situation, Dick. but the Michael Sams kissing his, kissing his boyfriend and <laughs> being drafted in, in the seventh round. You know, and, and, and I'm, I don't have a problem with him kissing his boyfriend. I think I have a problem with him um, being so public with it. You know what I mean? And and and, I, and him knowing that the NFL is not so ready for this. You know what I mean? I guess if, if you know they're not ready for it, you got to ease into it. You can't just yeah. jump like in you said, and dive off, in. Yeah. But like you said off the air, Daryl, there's been gay guys in the NFL for of a long, long have. time. But, you know, this guy's been kind of out there, and I think he got drafted later rather than earlier simply because he was out there about it. But also, you know, I was kind of pleased and proud that Jeff Fisher said, hey, the guy's a seventh-rounder. We cut seventh-rounders all the time. There's not many seventh-rounders that make it in the NFL. And we'll cut him because he's not one of the best of the 53. So that's that's important that we get the – what we should be worried about is how good a football player is he regardless of his sexual preference. Now, it bothered me a little bit seeing him kiss his boyfriend or significant other or whatever, but I don't know that uh, that's one of the reasons you should keep the guy because he's come out and been uh, over the top that he's gay. I agree. But, Coach, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this. The NFL does not want you to have a platform to discuss oh, issues. Oh, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm going to tell you right now, if he came out, Coach, and said, hey, I'm a member of the KKK, trust me, <laughs> trust me, he's going, it, it'll, it'll be not long before he will be down the road. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, oh, if I he agree. comes out and say, I'm a member of the Black Panthers, it would not oh, yeah. be long before he'd be down the road because he's going to use the NFL as a platform, and this is what appears to be, he appears to be doing with his with his sexual um, sexuality. It's like you, you're going to use the NFL for, as a platform for all homosexuals. I, 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 and maybe nope. I'm wrong for saying this too, but I just don't see this um, being a successful route for him. Well, Coach, I hate to say this because I know it's going to offend some people, but I'm not sure that isn't one of the problems that Tim Tebow had, that people felt like Tim used it as a platform, regardless if he was sincere or not. I think the man was very sincere, and I feel like he used that as a platform, and it scared owners, GMs, coaches all around the league and said, hey, you know, you know, this guy is not the guy that we want taking a knee in the end zone 
and it, it it became so big that it almost overwhelmed the team that he was on. I thought at the time it, it, it overwhelmed all the teams he was on. You know, and and I think you're right. That's probably why Tim Tebow's not in the league because hey, he was a, a good looking white guy playing third string quarterback. They stay yeah. in the league a long time, coach. Oh, I've yeah. been a long time. You know, trust me. Um, He'd have been a backup in the old days. Never. If he wouldn't have been out there with his platform, he would have been in the league for seven, eight years, probably seen the field two or three times in that time. The only time you'd really seen was in the uh, uh, preseason games, and otherwise you wouldn't see the guy. Yeah. You know, Coach, there's no way Tim Tebow should have had a shorter career than Brady Quinn. That just, oh, yeah. There's no way. You know, no, and no, the no. reason being is because he wants you to have everything uniform, Coach. They want you to wear your socks the same way. They don't want anything to be different. They just don't want it. Yeah. So, hey, Coach, um, Michael Sams will be a Ram, and I think he's a Ram because he he went to Missouri. Um, the Rams are in the state of Missouri, and – you know, and he and let's don't forget he was the co SEC defensive player of the year. Let's talk a little bit about the NBA before we get out of here. Um the Miami the Miami Heat has lost one game to the Brooklyn Nets and look like the San Antonio Spurs are just gonna really take care of their business uh out west. However, um the Clippers and Donald Sterling and that story is still rolling. Look like they have really turned some things around against OKC. But, hey, the Washington Wizards, they played a game a couple of days ago where I just declare they missed so many shots. The score was 36-38 at halftime. How could this be in an NBA game? Get yourself together, Washington. We're waiting on you to make a splash. Come on and do some things. You can tell Indiana don't even really want to win. They don't want to be there. But, hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Voice America Radio, and thank you for tuning in to Sports Info UM Show. We'll be back next week, same time, from 8 to 9. See you. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.